0: welcome to on texas football i'm bobby burton your host joined today by ian boyd x's and o's expert of inside uh we've got a little special something we're going to try to cook up for you today in our efforts to always try to be improving uh this uh video cast podcast and our our content in general at inside texas uh ian uh, wrote a couple of different articles uh, this week that were hitting on the really the uh, some data behind the data, if you want to put it that way, uh, of uh, Big 12 offenses. I want to talk about that first. And then the second part of this uh, podcast, we're going to talk, and Ian's going to take you on the chalkboard or the whiteboard behind you uh, to go over what some two-back sets with utilizing both Bijan and Roshan uh, might look like Uh, this time uh, next or during this next season uh, with uh, uh, Coach Steve Sarkeesian calling plays. Uh, Ian, let's start with uh, your article earlier this week on the speed of Big 12 offenses. You had some interesting findings in your studies. What is it exactly that you found most interesting uh, about some of the slower teams, I guess is the best way to put it, in the conference?
1: Well, the big 12 was very slow last year. Um, I don't know. If De- you know
0: define slow though. What does that mean to you? Just
1: in terms of how many plays per game that they ran. It used to be back in like the art Bryles heyday, you know, Baylor was running 80, 85 plays a game and everybody was running loads of plays last year. Most of the league was below 70 and some, some teams were real low. Oklahoma was very, very low. Um, Part of that was their lack of pace and part of it was everybody would just hold the ball and not let them have the ball. Uh, But they were in no hurry when they were on offense either. Um, Oklahoma State was really the only up-tempo team in the entire league last year. Everybody else was south of 70 plays per game. Texas was like 67, Baylor, TCU, they were down there as well. Many of the slowest offensive coordinators last year who ran the fewest plays are now gone. And the guys who are coming in were some of the fastest in the entire country last year. So Western Kentucky was uh, fourth in the country in plays run per game. Their offensive coordinator is now at Texas Tech. Sonny Dykes in SMU was 25th in the country. They ran uh, in the 70s. He's now at TCU. Um, Graham Harrell at, at USC was 17th in the country. He's now at West Virginia. Now reunited with JT Daniels. Uh, transferring in from Georgia and uh, Jeff Lebby was, Oh, you know what? I think I, I think I confused those. I I, I believe Western Kentucky was in the top 10 or 15 and Ole Miss was fourth. So Oklahoma is going to run, go from, they were, they were down low like 90th, hundredth in the country in place per game last year. And they just hired the offensive coordinator who's fourth in the country last year at Ole Miss. So everybody's going much, much, much faster. Uh, I think there's a variety of reasons for why the Big Twelve slowed down, but I, there should be no doubt that it's going to speed up and it's going to get a lot closer to what people think of with the Big 12, which is up tempo offense and teams just trying to just trying to throw haymakers and score until the until the clock reads zero. It hasn't well, been that the last two years.
0: So you said Texas was at roughly 67 plays a game, offensive plays a game last year?
1: Yeah, I don't remember the exact number, but they, it's it was very close to that.
0: Okay um interesting so what are you know the takeaways from that just thinking about it from my my perspective is uh and this is from talking to college coaches whenever uh the big 12 was running plays in the 80s even back in the day when uh, the university of houston was running the run and shoot and they were running so many plays i I would talk to uh defense opposing defensive coordinators and they said hey look the number one thing is you got to have more bodies um, you have to have more uh, defensive personnel ready to go, or else you can just succumb over time uh, to, to uh, a number of plays. That's going to put more uh, emphasis on defense, you think, uh, having to have to do that? Or is there something else at play here that, that I'm not really thinking of?
1: Well, I think definitely you have to have bodies, and particularly up front in the pass rush. So there's been a lot of Big 12 teams recently that have been pretty good at rushing a passer um, and that can change in a hurry if you're defending seven if you're defending 80 plays a game then you can have a will mcdonald or a uh, you know and a DK guy at kansas state you can have one really good pass rusher but he's going to disappear at the end of the game like he's not even there his legs will be jelly if you can't sub him out before then so that's a that's a huge factor it's just we have seen a big Improvement in defensive line play in the Big 12 for the last few years. But some of that could be a mirage if these guys are having to play, you know, 80, 80 plays a game. It, it won't hold up.
0: Gotcha. So do you uh, expect increased scoring output in total in the Big 12 because of this?
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, some coaches might want to ease in with their personnel. They may not want to play that way immediately. But if you look at the guys that are taking over, uh, Jeff Lebby at Oklahoma he'll be all in immediately he brought Dylan Gabriel in he knows the system they lost all their good defensive players they have Theo Wees. they have Marvin Mims Oklahoma is going to go fast immediately Texas Tech they have Tyler Sheck they got this Western Kentucky guy they brought in like three or four different offensive line transfers their defense isn't that great they're just going to they're just going to score as much as they can immediately all in TCU Chandler Morris Quinton Johnston pretty good running backs from Mary De Mercado, they're just going to start trying to score immediately. So I think, yeah, immediately these teams, even if they're not good, they could be like those Cliff Kingsbury teams that were always five and seven and six and six every year, but you'd have to beat them like, you know, 55 to 50 and they would make you, you know, go all out to beat them. So I think that there's going to be a lot more of that in the big 12. Uh, and then obviously Oklahoma, you know, figures to be in the big 12 title race. So you'll have to deal with that to get there.
0: It seems last five or six years, we've been seeing a slowdown trend in the big 12. Um, I used to say that, you know, unless you can score 30 points a game, you really don't have much of a chance in the big 12. And that's really had changed to to be in the high twenties, mid twenties in large port where you could really be doing that uh, nowadays. Uh, But if you think that at least four teams, uh, really in the top 25 in offense, number of plays per game, four offensive coordinators coming into the league, uh, plus what was there already with Steve Sarkeesian and uh, some others. It, look, it sounds like we could really see a, a, a pretty significant rise in points per game in the league. Uh, and really, uh, you know, the Big 12 has had this, I don't want to say moniker, but uh, the idea that it's a pass it on around league. In the last couple of years, they haven't maybe that's been an issue because of quarterbacks uh, but you know if they're if they're going in direction with uh, offense coordinators it's going to be interesting because it's going to put more more uh, more on the defense's plate as well
1: yeah and i believe it actually was less about the quarterbacks and more about the coaches because you had guys come in like Matt Rule and Dave Aranda and Baylor those guys don't want to win games by asking their quarterback to throw it 40, 50 times and winning a shootout. They want to win with defense. So that was a, you know, that's already one team Baylor that went from one extreme end of the spectrum to last year, the other far end of the spectrum where they're in the double tight running outside zone 40 times a game. West Virginia goes from Dana Holgerson to Neil Brown. Neil Brown is from the same air raid coaching tree, but he's been much more about physicality and defense until now when it wasn't working so he hired Graham Harrell uh, Bill Snyder's gone at Kansas State so they hired you know under center coaches from North Dakota State Matt Campbell has really been a huge part of the Big 12 for the last five years and Matt Campbell is actually a very good spread offensive mind but he figured out the last couple of years that the best way to win at Iowa State was to get a bunch of big dual threat tight ends on the field so they weren't going real fast or, or particularly explosive either so I, th- I think it was less about the coaches or sorry, less about the quarterbacks and more about just coaches playing to their strengths and what they believed in. And now the coaches in the league are different. So
0: what do you so think it. that, what do you think that means? Uh, so taking all of this in, what's your takeaway for Texas as it relates to the Longhorns?
1: For Texas, I think, you know, I'll probably be exploring that this offseason. I've only just begun to think about it. because so I only just recently noticed the degree to which things are about to change when I looked at the uh, at the pace numbers. But um, Texas's defense has to be able to execute base defense very quickly um, without having to look at the sideline. Um, the coaches have to be ready to not try to get in a lot of complicated play calls or to have a very good system for doing so. Um, and you got to be able to just, you need guys in the field that know how to execute a base defense, no matter what the offense does. Because what these offenses will do is they will race up to the line of scrimmage in like within 10 seconds, and then they'll line up to run a play and you got to be ready. Uh, and they might stop. And then they look at their offensive coordinator to tell them what to do. Or the, if you have like a Sam Allinger, he can do it himself and adjust it. But um, you have to be ready immediately to be lined up to know what they're going to do, what they could do, and be ready to stop it without major assignment busts. Um, so Texas, Texas didn't face a lot of tempo last year, but we probably all noticed there were a couple times in a lot of games where they got caught, where they weren't even set. Um, and that, that they'll get killed this year if, uh, if they haven't cleaned that up. So yeah, they need base defense that everyone knows how to execute against a wide variety of offensive schemes. So they need an identity. They can't be morphing back and forth between a dozen different things. Everybody's got to know it. They need players on the field that can communicate it. Um, I think, you know, Blake Gideon cut his teeth facing this from Oklahoma back in his day. Um, Gary Patterson knows what's up. Gary Patterson had a really elaborate system of defensive play calling Quickowski's faced it some they if they all get on the same page they should be capable of, of handling it but if they are not on the same page as a staff it'll be exposed quickly by this style
0: gotcha anything any other takeaways
1: and now well yeah I, I left out the other whole half of the equation the Texas offense we, we figured that they probably need to score next year to win games and count on scoring to win games but they absolutely they should use more tempo themselves and uh, be a spread team like everybody else, and just try to score lots of points. Um, if everybody wants to go fast and try to score lots of points for Texas, Texas should invite that. They have lots of bodies on the defensive line. They have more uh, skill weapons than anybody else in the league. So they should absolutely embrace uh, up-tempo shootouts and see you know, see who can who can throw the strongest punches in the championship rounds.
0: Gotcha. Um- you know, I, I think the other thing that I would take away is we're just going to see higher scoring games, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, if you're adding four of the 20 of the 25 fastest up-tempo offensive coordinators to the league, uh, from guys that, you know, frankly weren't. I mean, you mentioned Lincoln Riley is, as, as much as you think he's an, a wide open guy, he was very deliberate last year. Um, and, uh, I think of, uh, TCU that you know last couple of years they've been very deliberate uh and West Virginia certainly has with Seth Daggett at, at quarterback and uh some of the trials and uh stuff they've had there so uh it doesn't it probably won't be that big a switch I wouldn't think for Texas Tech though right uh going from Sonny Cumbie to uh um, Zach Kitley
1: it was last year now the David Yost guy he was a, he was all about up-tempo he was very good at it I would say um Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Didn't work out so well for Matt Wells. I believe last year Texas Tech was like hundred tenth in uh, offensive pace. Oh wow! I, I, kinda, I know. I I, um, I I would need to. I almost want to look into that and understand why they were so slow. But um, so they they will actually be significantly different than last year at Tech. They will be way
0: faster. Gotcha. All right, uh, that's that's an interesting article, I think, Ian, and I appreciate your time trying to explain it, how pace of play might affect what long what the Longhorns do and what they need to do uh, in practice this offseason going into next year. Um, before we go to the next part where Ian's going to diagram some stuff up for us, hopefully you can see uh, his uh, whiteboard in the background there. I want to remind people that uh, Ian and I both uh, write for InsideTexas.com. It's where you can join us on the message boards, read our articles, On a daily basis, upwards of uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten articles a day, as well as multiple message board posts and topics. Right now, we have a special there, uh, four months for just one dollar. Ian, uh, let's talk about this now. This is a a new thing for us. Uh, Don't move too far off the screen here. Uh, This is a two back set and the R and, and you're going you're reading left to right and the R is Roshan in the backfield there, and B is Bijan, and the Q is quarterback. Tell us the rest of the lineup and what's going on.
1: So this is kind of one of the big intrigues for Texas next year. They hire Go-Go offense architect Brennan Marion. Um, They have tons of running backs on the roster, and then they move Jaden Hullaby to running back, which is – interesting because you would think, why would you need another running back when you already have these two guys, Keelan Robinson, uh, Jaden Blue, and Jonathan Brooks? Well, the reason why is if you want to base your offense in regularly having two running backs on the field. If Texas wants to get their best 11 on the field next year regularly, they're going to want to spend a lot of time with two running backs on the field and then probably also Jordan Whittington in the slot. It looks like Jordan Whittington might be one of the best players on the team. So if you want them all on the field at the same time, this is what it looks like. Um, The challenge of doing this is that you have these really good running backs, you want to run the ball, and you don't want to run the quarterback if you can help it. So when you're facing a typical Big 12 nickel defense, the guys you really need to worry about are these six guys in the box, four defensive linemen, two linebackers, three defensive linemen, three linebackers, whatever it is. You have five offensive linemen, so each one of those can block one guy. You still need to block one more guy or else one of these six guys that's right here is always gonna be a position to make a quick stop on your running back. So then the question is how do you design your offense in a way that you're blocking all six of these guys with these guys that are in the box without involving one of the receivers. And you wanna do it in a way that's realistic. Like you can't ask Roshon Johnson to kick out a defensive end. You don't want Bijan Robinson uh getting beat up so the easiest way to do that is just to run the outside zone play they were very good at last year so you got just so you're drawing shots.
0: up the outside zone play right now to the left
1: so we're running it with Bijan up here roshan's job cut back across and maybe throw a little cut block at this defensive end He's not blocked by the offensive line. The offensive line ignores him like his own read. But instead of having the quarterback read him, just have Roshan go back against the grain, maybe dive at his legs, right? All these guys, I draw them taking little short tracks, but realistically on the outside zone, they're all moving this way, all the way up here in a hurry. And things move very quickly. So the cutback lanes, outside zone, inevitably ends up being a cutback play. Where Bijan aims up here, but he probably ends up cutting here, 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 into the gaps that open as everybody tries to get up there. So you, what you do is you run these plays where the running back's job can be as easy as possible. Just don't let this guy follow everything up here. Just get in his way, cut him something. Um, and then that way you have all six guys accounted for. They can do it with some other plays. They can run counter plays. They can run. Um, they can run zone read if they want with the quarterback. Probably don't want to do that very much, but they could. And they could also run versions of zone plays where the running backs skip through open lines in the, uh, in the line of scrimmage and go and try to pick off these linebackers here and here. It's a much easier job to go pick off a Big 12 linebacker than to block a defensive lineman. It's still a little bit challenging, but Rashawn and Bichon are thick guys. Jaden Hullaby is a thick guy if he ends up in that role.
0: So what is it, I, I, I've, I think I've seen this play before where actually they leak on that same setup, they would leak out, they would fake to Bijan and leak Roshan out to the back side in the flat and clear that back side out uh, with uh, potentially, I think it's Whittington would run like an, a crossing route and clear out the nickel. And um, Nayor would basically run not a streak, but maybe an out and then just uh, face up on the the uh the corner right and then you're you're basically playing one-on-one roshan's playing one-on-one with the field safety at that time
1: they have they had versions of this stuff that they ran last year
0: right that's what i'm asking
1: yeah they would have a version where roshan or whoever the like one guy's running right the other guy would go like he was going to throw that cut block or whatever at the end and then yeah he would leak out here and then maybe you're blocking here and it's almost like a little flat screen or a bubble screen and you could, either, you could either mix this in as a read for the quarterback, or you could just call it and say, we're going to pretend like we're running outside zone, but really you're throwing a Roshan all the way. I think they ran it as a true option last year. I'd have to go back and look at it. Um, the upshot is anything you draw up with two running backs in the backfield, and I could draw up a few different plays, counter, whatever. Um, the, the, the upshot of it is that you're much more of a finesse team. You have a lot more misdirection. You have a lot more, you're going to add up, you're going to end up adding lots of pass options on the outside for uh, they or worthy, whoever this is and waiting in the slot. Um, because you're not as physical and downhill a team as you are if you have a big tight end on the field or like last year, if you have two. You have two tight ends on the field who are kind of bulldozing and imposing your will. With this, you end up with a lot of misdirection. You end up with a lot of uh, window dressing to get defenders looking in the wrong places and um, that's an interesting way to do things when you have running backs this talented but ultimately it's going to what be what best serves texas because they have too many good players who need the ball to try to you know force it with multiple tight ends when you don't have it Um, i think they're going to end up going in this direction quite a bit next year
0: so what do you, let, let's, one of the things that Steve Sarkeesian said on Tuesday, Ian, uh, as you erase that stuff, I want to ask you about this. He was asked if he's going to try to find other ways to get Bijan the ball this year and get him more touches. And he said, hey, without, without detailing our plans to the world, um, you know, what, what are we going to do? I want him to touch the ball as often as possible because he is who he is. He's a, he's a special player. In that scenario, draw us a play where that actually becomes a one-back offense, where Roshan stays in perhaps to pass block. Bijan is motioned out. Give us a play that you think that that Sark tends to like out of that sort of uh, scenario.
1: Um, They did play some of these games a lot, too. I think a lot of people probably remember Bijan flexed out and ran a like a skinny post on louisiana and then they kind of shelved it for the rest of the year i don't know i really don't know why maybe casey wasn't as comfortable in that as card was was the best i can guess but i really don't know so let's say you line up like this maybe you're using tempo so they're kind of locked in on this and then you just have Bijan move maybe right here or actually a little better okay Worthy and they are a little tight. Move Bijan up here. Now they have to figure out what they're going to do. Do they move the linebacker out here to cover him? If they move the linebacker out normally, he's covering like Worthy. That's no good. If they move the linebacker way out here to be matched up with Bijan Robinson, now the offense knows they're in man coverage because you can't play zone with your linebacker lined up like a, a quarterback.
0: So now they what's the play? So what. So what's the play call there? What what do they end up doing with the ball?
1: end up something like this. Bijan just run a little hitch route. Your receiver is now a slot receiver. He runs a go. And the defense has to figure out how they're going to match that up without being obvious. And uh, if they just send everybody to cover that go route, then Bijan often ends up just sitting there five yards wide open pitch and catch and then you have to tackle Bijan in space. Um, if they uh, they have the safety in the linebacker trying to cover the X receiver, then you know you've just forced them to devote a ton of resources and you still have you know your slot receiver, your other receiver or you can run the ball against a five man box now the
0: linebacker's out of there. There's
1: so a lot say of games- Rochon,
0: so say Roshan is in to block on that play, right? To to help pass protection. What does the backside do there with Whittington? What I mean, kind of routes do they run simultaneously to the other ones?
1: You could do anything you want you could do uh, you could have them cross over try to find space if the safety ends up having to help on the on that route. you can just do if you like your matchups over here and now you don't have to worry about the safety leaking over you can uh, have Whittington attack the safety and have this guy go deep on the corner one on one. You just end up with, or you could even send Roshan out here and get three guys on three against these two guys, unless this guy's running around. Um, There's endless options. Whatever you feel is going to best attack that coverage, you're going to be able to get um, overcompensation, especially with the the benefit of of lining up in two running backs that can move around like this and that they used last year is that you can do it at tempo. So the other team doesn't have a lot of chance to adjust or to get a really good call in. You're, you're going fast. And then all of a sudden you got Roshan and Bijan flexed out. The defense does not have uh, defenders on the field that are optimal for giving them a lot of coverage options. And then you just start picking on little matchups or option routes based on the weak spots you get.
0: Gotcha. Um, Ian, I really appreciate it, man. This has been a new look. We're going to try to do this more often. Please give us your feedback. Uh, We we welcome it, uh, and uh, we'll uh, try to take it into consideration as we move forward. Uh, Ian, thanks again uh, for Inside the Game Plan. Uh, This has been On Texas Football. Uh, We hope you join us on Inside Texas this week and uh, as we come back with more videos as well. Uh, For Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching.